When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking City, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. My name's Joe Gray, I'll be your host this day, and I'm joined by uh, Stuart Brennan. How are you, Stu? Fine, thanks. Fine. Going well. Very busy, uh, but uh, I like it that way. That's it, yeah. In the last two days, City have uh, made moves for two exciting young players, um, Nathan Ake and Ferran Torres. I'm not... Actually, can you call Ake young? He's 25, but... uh, We'll discuss that in in a bit of detail in a minute. But I think with so much happening in the last week, we start from the beginning, which was the final game of the season against Norwich. It was, I mean, the result was took care of itself really five nil against the bottom side. Um, but there was a lot of individual uh, awards for City. Kevin De Bruyne equaled the Premier League record. Edison won the Golden Glove, um, and City passed the hundred goal mark as well. So, uh, Stu, what were your thoughts on the game? Can you get any any sort of uh, team news or anything for ahead of the Real Madrid game? Yeah, I, th- I thought you could. I thought you could infer. In fact, I've, I've, I've still not got around to it this week because there's so much else been going on. But I'm, I'm sort of got a piece in, in my head uh, about how how you could sort of you could see Pep's the, the dilemmas that Pep has for the Real Madrid game. You could see them uh, in what he did against Norwich because at, at half time he took three players off and put three players on. Mm. Um, it was almost an audition. It was almost like saying, right, okay, you guys are all in the running for a place in the team, so go and show me what you what you, what you you bring to the party. Uh, so, he, you know, Rodri and Gundogan w- were switched. Um, he switched Garcia and Fernandinho. Um, and uh, what was the other one? You have to remind me, my memory's not great these days, but the the, the other switch as well, you know, they, it all sort of, um, it'll come to me in a minute, it'll come to me yeah. when I'm not thinking about it. Well, <laughs> it's escaped my memory as well. Just, well, there's so much, there's so much going on in the last few days, it sort of pushed it all out. But, you know, the, it was almost saying, right, go out and show us, and uh, you've got 45 minutes each, and those, those three key positions... Um, the, the other one that, that, that I think is, I mean, David Silva and Bernardo Silva, I'm not sure that's cut and dried. Um, mm-hmm. David Silva played 85 minutes against Norwich uh, and on form, he has to be in the team, you would think. Um, but, you know, you, you do wonder whether the 85 minutes was simple, simply because Pep didn't want to take him off at half-time in his final Premier League game. Uh, I'm, no. sure that, I'm sure that in his head that Bernardo Silva is still a possibility. Um Oh, the other one. Sorry, the other one is, is Phil Foden, isn't it? Phil Foden. And, yeah. uh, Phil Foden came on, and uh, Mares Mares came on. I knew I'd get there when I wasn't thinking about it. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, those three to me are like the three three key areas uh, that that Pepper still got got doubts about and still doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, plus, I would think David Silva, Bernardo Silva, because Bernardo he uses Bernardo time and time again as a closer in games. When City are ahead, if he's on the bench, he'll bring him on because he's so good in possession. His work rate is just immense. You know, he chases and harries and hassles. Um, and you kind of think, in this in the second leg, 
City are two one up, so they're they're in the lead. Go from the kickoff. Now, if you want a player who's who's going to knock the other team out of its rhythm, who's going to chase everything down, who's going to get on the ball and make things happen as well. Well, Bernardo Silva more than David Silva in my head. David, you know, David's admitted himself that his energy levels aren't quite what they used to be. Um, so, I mean, possibility, of course, that David Silva starts and Bernardo Silva uh, comes on for him. Um, when when legs do start to tire, but uh, I think I think that's the other that's the other uh, the other key position. Apart from that, I would I would suggest that you know he's he's pretty much got it, got it in his head. I mean, oh, the other one is left back Cancelo. He's he played there the last two times and done really really well. Now I don't think that'll be cut and dried. Um, I think you know if Mendy sharpens his act up in uh, in training, um, I don't think Zinchenko. We'll come into it, but I think it's between Mendy and Cancelo. Uh, well, Mendy's Cancelo. obviously suspended for the oh, second Mendy, leg, but it's going forward. Of course, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's going forward into the the rest of the campaign if City get there, obviously, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. There is that as well. Um, but but uh, yeah, Cancelo for that for that left back spot. Mm. Um, like you say, go, going into the going into the campaign, which follows very quickly on from the the second leg against Real Madrid. Um, but you know, I think those are those are the key positions that uh, that City are looking at. Well, that Pep's looking at in the in the build-up, and Norwich was intriguing in that in that regard. In, in that he did that, he did that that that, that three subs switch at half-time, which uh, which sort of feeds into that. Yeah, and he said that was planned before before the game. So obviously, Norwich and Real Madrid are two different levels of opponent, but he was doing as much as he could out of that game mm-hmm. uh, to plan ahead. I think it's interesting what you're saying about. Bernardo, because I, I think since the restart, he's probably been one of the most sort of the least used attacking players. Uh, when you've got the likes of Phil Foden having quite a lot of game time, and David Silva's been given time to obviously show his class in his his last few Premier League games. But yeah, like you say, Bernardo is one of those players who, especially in the big games, his his, his tactical work has come on a lot this season, and I, th- I think he'd be probably favourite to start in in my head ahead of David Silva. Just mm-hmm. like you say, for the the kind of game that City needs to play, which is not give Real Madrid any hope of getting back into the tie, because uh, it was so long ago. But City do have that lead and and those away goals. Um, obviously, this week as well, we've had the news that a Real Madrid player has tested positive for COVID nineteen. Um, we we know that City are monitoring it, but the game is expected to go ahead as as planned. How much do you think that will sort of disrupt the preparations, and how how likely do you think the game is to go ahead as it stands? Well, as it stands, um, it is going ahead. I mean, UEFA have made really soothing noises about it. The fact that uh, he wasn't, um, he's not a central player for Real Madrid. He wouldn't be in the game anyway, Mariano Diaz. Um, and also the fact that they were coming back off holiday when he was tested, uh, and everybody else in the squad has tested. Um, negative as, as far as we, we're aware so it shouldn't really affect that I mean the, the the imponderables here is we don't know how the UK government might respond they've given leeway for elite sports teams coming here you know they did it with, with the West Indies cricket team uh, mm-hmm. and, and they've, they've, they've agreed that Real Madrid can come here but we're seeing we're seeing now a spike in cases in Madrid and in Spain we've already seen the government clamp down on people coming here from Spain uh, even British holidaymakers being stranded over there. Uh, well, not being stranded, but the fact that when they come back, they've been told they've got to um, they've got to isolate for 14 days. Now, as it stands, there's nothing to say that they've changed the way they're looking at elite sports teams. But you can imagine, you know, there's quite a few days to go before Real Madrid come here. 
if if and we've already seen uh, Fuen Labrada, who are based in Madrid, uh, have a load of COVID cases, um, which has you know made a mess of the Spanish. Uh, playoffs, you know, the second division playoffs over there. You, you start looking at all these things and wondering, you know, are they going to sort of get a bit wibbly about this and uh, and decide that, you know, actually it's not such a great idea to have a, a group of like 50 or 60 people coming over from Madrid. Um, you know, the, the people we saw the criticism surrounding when Atletico Madrid. Uh, went mm. and played at Liverpool right at the start of this this COVID outbreak. You know, people saying this should not have happened. This should, not. and now we're seeing we're starting to see what looks like a second spike right across Europe, and and Spain is is part of that. Um, you do wonder whether somebody in government will say, "Oh, hold on a minute. Remember what happened last time? We got a load of stick for this, um, and UEFA got stick for it as well." Uh, you just wonder whether somebody will say this this might not be such a great idea. But I'm saying that, and as it stands, the game is going ahead, and there's no doubt. I don't think it'll affect any preparations. People get their own idea about football. Footballers and football coaches just get on with the job. <laughs> they don't really take any notice of what's going on. The politics, forget it. You know, Leave that to the, the men in suits. They just get on. As far as they're concerned, they're playing the game, and they, they go ahead um, until told otherwise. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be the message at City. Just as you say, go ahead. Uh, don't let anything change, and hopefully there won't be any more uh, positive tests in Madrid and and in City. Now you mm. mentioned men in suits this week. You've had the pleasure of reading through the 93-page cast ruling that exonerated City against UEFA. Um, it was a bit more. It gave City a bit more credit, I thought, than the initial the initial decision did. Um, what were your thoughts on that and how long did it take you to be through the report? It took me most most of the afternoon and that was that was speed reading it. I mean it, you you've always got the problem with these things. You, you wanna get it out there, you wanna get you wanna get the news out to people, but you yeah. you know, you you're conscious of the fact that you've got to get it right as well. And it I mean, when I started reading it, even though I knew what the outcome was gonna be, I knew it's like when you watch a really good T V show and you, you you know the ending, but you you what you start reading and thinking this is going to go really badly here. You know, mm. everything's... It's, it seemed to be that every, every turn early on in the proceedings, City's lawyers were being knocked back. They were being told, no, no, you, that's wrong. No, we're not having that. And the panel really seemed to be laying into City's lawyers. And you're thinking... But then when it got to the absolute crux of it, the absolute nub of the whole thing, um, the, the whole tone changed. Um, now, it's, it's amazing. The criticism that has come out since then People have people focused in on the fact that um, the, the the CAS did actually um, <clears throat> did actually criticise City for not cooperating with the UEFA investigation, and people yeah. have made that the central point. Now, I'm sorry, but that is absolute nonsense. To, to mm-hmm. focus in on that is absolute nonsense because the whole basis of UEFA's case was based on what amounts to seven hacked emails, six six hacked emails and I think one attachment to another email um, and that was from five and a half million emails that were hacked from City's account which is a really, really small amount <laughs> but you kind of think, you know if you get if you got any Premier League club and hacked five and a half million emails from them I'm pretty sure you can find something in every single club that would be a little bit naughty, a little bit dodgy a little bit unpleasant uh, or, or, or whiff of something but yeah, the absolute fact of this case is that those emails, which we we saw a version of them when Der Spiegel published them, 
Um, City said right from the outset that they'd been taken out of context and that there were there were errors uh, in in the the inferences that they'd drawn from them. Now, once City laid it before, you know, you got to remember that Cass saw these emails. Then they heard City's explanation. They saw the the full context of the emails that, that City gave, um, and basically said. Well, yeah, you're right. You know, there is nothing in those emails that suggests there were some really, really silly basic errors that you would think that football leaks and Der Spiegel would have picked up on for a start. But then certainly UEFA should have picked up on. Uh, I mean, the, the most obvious one is is one of the emails refers to His Highness. Now, anyone who knows anything about the Middle East, I don't know much, but I know the <laughs> fact that there are a million His Highnesses out there. You know, the Abu Dhabi Royal Family is huge. Uh, they yep. all get referred to as his highness. Uh, but they took that to mean, well, that must mean Sheikh Mansour, City's owner. It must mean him. When, in fact, City's explanation was quite simple. It was referring to Sheikh Tanun, who's, who's one of his one of Sheikh Mansour's brothers and was head of the, I think it's the Abu Dhabi Tourist Authority. Um, so, you know, that is an absolutely basic error to make. And when, when you put in evidence of that quality before um, three judges... Uh, and when you've got City saying, "Well, no, this is what actually means," you, you, you're really on a really on a complete loser. Uh, and City City have taken the evidence that UEFA, that Der Spiegel Football Leaks uh, presented UEFA with, um, and have just totally destroyed it. And that is that is the absolute bottom line on on this on this. Um, and the very fact that City asked for the evidence to be beyond reasonable doubt. Um, mm-hmm. And even then, Cass said, no, 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 we're going to set the level of proof as comfortable satisfaction, which is a much lower level of proof. Um, yeah. And UEFA couldn't heave, even hit that lower level of proof. Um, and time and time again, uh, we, we see not proven, not proven in, in the verdict. And yet, uh, incredibly, people have picked up on the fact that City didn't cooperate with the UEFA investigation, which... I wouldn't have cooperated with that investigation. I don't know what you think about it, Joe. I mean, you've not had the pleasure of ploughing your way through it. So, uh, but you, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you've got an opinion. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I read your very good summary of it, and uh, that's how I got my uh, my my gist of what everything happened. But I think, yeah, like you say, there was so many headlines on on the sort of Wednesday morning and Tuesday evening that was that City had a blatant disregard for the for the investigation, and that was how they led. And I'm thinking, yeah, but they've been completely like not proven all these allegations shouldn't mm-hmm. that be the the focus and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that that was a thing that stood out for me is that City have been completely cleared of this probably mm-hmm. more so than they were a couple of weeks ago when we found out that the decision had been overturned um, now one thing that did stick out to me was that Cass said if City had cooperated with the original investigation UEFA might have agreed with the Cass decision mm-hmm. and they might not have had to go to the court of arbitration for sport but, but as you say City never wanted to cooperate with UEFA because they felt it was a prejudicial investigation, if I'm right. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a bit of a sort of you can't win, can you? But I think it was a trust issue. I mean, you got UEFA were put under immense pressure once speak once the football league stuff came out. UEFA were under immense pressure to to do something to go after City. And you can't, you know, the City have got a lot of enemies in European football, big powerful enemies, at big powerful clubs who were putting pressure on to go after City. Now, City said right from the start that the, the, the football league stuff was a clear and organised attempt to uh, to sully their reputation. Um, 
And then once UEFA got involved, and UEFA said, "Right, we're going to we're going to investigate based solely on what they'd seen, you know, on, on these hacked emails which which football leaks had come up with. Nothing else, just based solely on on that." Once UEFA said, we're going to do that, we're going to base our whole investigation on these emails which have been stolen from City and which City has said right from the outset were, were taken out of context. Now, that is, is quite a hostile stance to take in the first place. But then to break your own rules to pursue City, you know, UEFA knew that they had a five-year statute of limitations, that anything that was more than five years old couldn't be, um, couldn't be pursued. To still pursue them even though you knew that you were breaking your own rules. I mean, they came up with some nonsense about how it was five years from finding out. I mean, that is ridiculous because that means there is no statute of limitations. You know, yeah. it has to, has to be from when the offence allegedly took place. Um, the, you know, and they were, they were pursuing on a, on, a, on a part. One of the emails went back to 2010, which was even before the financial fair play rules came in. You know, <laughs> so if even if City had been had been found to have made those payments, they weren't illegal at that point. You know, this is this is how basic it was. So so you then had you then had um, UEFA ba- breaking their own rules, and on top of that, they started leaking like a sieve. You know, there were there were people within UEFA who knew what the process that was going on and were leaking details of it to certain sections of the media. Now, if I'm at City and I can see that. UEFA are pursuing something that's based on pursuing an investigation based on hacked emails, which City claim were taken out of context. They're then breaking their own rules to do so, and they're leaking details of it to the media. There's no way on God's earth I would cooperate with that investigation. I would do exactly what City have said. You know, if I was in dispute with an employer and they were doing that to me, I would say I am not cooperating with you at all because your investigation is not fair. It's biased. It's it's. You know, and it, it's it's leaking. Um, I will see you in court, and you go and put it. And then you say you go to court, an independent court, which is what City said all along. We're confident that if this goes to an independent court, we'll be found not guilty. They went to an independent court, and exactly exactly that happened. So you know, the, the critics who've laid into City saying why didn't they cooperate? I think it's absolutely plain why they didn't cooperate because they didn't trust that process and all the evi- all the evidence that would have they would have presented to UEFA, they have presented now to an independent court and been found not guilty. It's just, it's people clinging, people who've invested so much in, in saying that City were guilty. And then when it, when it turns out that they're actually not, they're still clinging to the wreckage of their case. You know, they sort of cast adrift in mid ocean uh, with the wreckage all around them. And they still, they're still holding on to that one little bit which which, which Cass has provided them with, um, which is that, you know, City should have cooperated. And to be honest, that's a slap on the wrist. That was a slap on the wrist. You know, it was no more. It was, it was Cass was sort of almost a little bit grumpy saying, well, you should have cooperated. So we're still going to allow 10 million euros of the original 30 million euros fine to stand, um, mm-hmm. you know. But the, the main, the, the absolute main part of the case which is that you know City were alleged to have, have channeled uh, money through sponsorship, which ca- actually came from the owners. Just there was no evidence. There was no sufficient evidence provided to show that they'd done it. 
and that has to be the central point of, of, of what's come out of the cast. And like, I mean, you know, people then start making inferences that cast, uh, oh, oh, they're a little bit bent, are they? You know, I mean, if I was cast, <laughs> I would be, I would be, I would be absolutely furious with some of the stuff that's been written. You know, we, we're saying, oh, you know, City suggested the because uh, because the way it works, the three judges at cast, one gets sort of put forward, one gets recommended by UEFA, one gets recommended by City. And then you have a third one uh, who's sort of independently appointed. Uh, but they, they get together, the, the parties get together and, and say, right, well, we're going to put this guy forward. And then, you know, you have to, we'll put this guy forward. City say, we'll put this guy forward. And then the third one, they sort of, you know, gets agreed. City suggested, uh, is it Ruby Botica, I think he was called, a Portuguese lawyer. Uh, right. And UEFA said, UEFA said, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, we, that's fine. No problem with that. So then the three judges are sorted. And now people are making a lot of that. The fact that City suggested him, but the fact that UEFA agreed to that is being completely ignored. So basically, UEFA saying, "Yeah, we agree. He's a good man for the job. No problem." And but now, <laughs> now people are sort of trying to trying to make inferences from it when you know the cats are a reputable body, and those lawyers are, are reputable men whose whose reputations are on the line here. Um, and they've come up with a verdict that people don't like, so people are trying to turn it into something that it quite simply isn't. Yeah, I th- I, what what sort of struck me throughout the whole thing since that UEFA passed their verdict was that City were always adamant that it was going to be that they were going to be uh, sort of exonerated and they had the evidence. And even Pep Guardiola was saying that in his press conferences, which I always thought was a you know it might have been a bit risky of him mm-hmm. to say that if the result had been otherwise. But now we're seeing exactly what evidence City had. And exactly just how clear plain it was that they didn't do anything wrong. So uh, yeah, as you say, all the sort of suggestions that City were in the wrong after this this document was released is absolute rubbish. Um, we've seen in in the last few days, obviously since the ruling and since City have finished the season, they've been confirmed to be playing in the Champions League. They uh, they seem to be making quite a lot of moves in the transfer market. We found out um, yesterday or the day before that uh, Ferran Torres is close to agreeing a deal for around 21 million initially. And uh, this morning we've discovered that Nathan Ake has uh, City have had a bid accepted by Bournemouth. Um, what are your thoughts on those those transfers? To me, they seem like good transfers, uh, very sort of, uh, they're being quick in the transfer market, but whether they'll trouble Pep Guardiola's first choice starting lineup for the big games, I'm not too sure. What do you make of them? Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of Ake. I've always been, whenever I've seen him, I've been really impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's he's but he's playing in a he's playing in a Bournemouth team that's always under the hammer. I saw a stat this morning. I'm, I'm going to check this one out yet, but I saw a stat this morning that he made no errors in the season just gone that led to goals. Um, now that, that he, he, yeah, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't fit in at City then, does he? Really, you know, <laughs> you know that. But that is that is what City need. Those individual errors cost him so much last season. Uh, obviously, it's a different map playing at City because at Bournemouth you sort of you're playing on the back foot, uh, and it's like backs to the wall defending. At City, um, you're not. You sort of you're on the front foot all the time. You're standing up on the halfway line watching, watching the game go on. And then every now and then you've got a, a counter attack to deal with. So it'll be a different a different situation for Ake. But he's he's pretty quick. He, he's smart. He's sharp. His passing is good. His foot, you know, he's from that Dutch school. Uh, they're, they're all good, aren't they? You know, you see Virgil van Dijk, who, who's also in the Holland setup. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's a big, strong centre half, but he, he can he can he can play as well. And Ake is similar. He's not that big. He's not as big as van Dijk, which is 
is perhaps his only the only concern you might have with him. Um, the fact that he's left footed as well, you know, he's taken a gamble there because everyone knows that Laporte is uh, is a man in possession as a, as a left footed. So you, you kind of think straight away, especially if City get another right footed centre half, and they're still in the market. You know, we we talked about Kula Bali um, as being a, a prime target. They're still they're still looking to bring in another one, as far as I'm aware. Um, so if if they get if they get a, you know a good right footed centre half in, well all of a sudden Ake is you know he, he's he's second choice left left footed centre back behind Laporte. But you know he, we we actually don't know. I mean I presume that City have got it sorted with Ake because uh, you know we know that they've made a forty million pound bid, um, which also has one million pound in add-ons. Um, so you you wouldn't think they would have got that far without being confident that Ake is going to join them because everything we were hearing like a few weeks ago was that Ake was keeping his options open. You know he fancied to move back to Chelsea. Um, yeah. You know there were one or two other clubs interested in him, and he was just going to see see what what transpired. But I imagine that um, City are pretty confident that he's they can they can they can agree with him as well. Um, once uh, now that Bournemouth. I believe they're close to agreement. I'm not sure that the 40, 40 million plus one million deal is is absolutely tied on, but um, I think it's it's very very close. Um, but then so then it would just mean tying things up with Ake. Um, I mean deals have fallen through at later stages than this in the past, so uh, you, you can't be you can't be 100 sure. But I would uh, I would be fairly confident that Ake will be a, a City player by the time by the time next season comes around. And yeah. Torres, Torres is the other one, obviously. Sorry, um, we don't see a lot of him. I mean, I've seen I've seen his highlights reels, I've seen the odd game that he's played over there. But he's he's an ex- exceptionally talented winger. You know, he's got lots of tricks. He's pretty quick, good footballer. Um, seems to be two footed from what I've seen. Um, a little bit different to Sane, uh, who who he's sort of been brought in to replace. Um, quite a bit cheaper. You know, the, the it, it's you know the the year left on his contract is you know. A smidge over twenty million is is it's a pretty good price for somebody who's been heralded as like one of the brightest young Spanish talents out there. Um, Definitely. So you know, obviously, you take him out of the context of Spanish football and put him in the Premier League is it's a different matter. But um, he, he looks quite exciting, and uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he how he shapes up once he once he starts playing. I think I think the pace is going to be key with with Torres, and that's one thing that they probably lacked this season with Sane being injured for so long. Because mm. Sterling and Mares are obviously quick, but they're not sort of the type of players who will always make that running behind the defender. They prefer the ball with their feet. So having Torres with that different option of making sort of the long run if possible, and someone like Kevin De Bruyne pulling the strings in in midfield could be a, just a different option if City are looking for a plan B to to break someone down if it's not quite working for them. And that's I think what they've missed the most this season. Um, I was thinking, I was looking at um, Ake, and that stat, by the way, is he's made no errors leading to goals in 117 games uh, mm-hmm. in the Premier League, which is uh, pretty good going. Um, yes. What, where do you think that leaves people like John Stones and Otamendi? Do they still have a future if City are looking to bring in Ake and, as you say, possibly another one? I think I think Otamendi's uh, almost certain to go. I think he stayed a season too long anyway, and we were talking about individual errors at City this season and uh, his, his face springs instantly to mind when you think about the individual errors you know you think about the losing to Wolves at home he was he was highly culpable you think about Norwich away when for me the rot really set in in terms of 
in terms of falling behind Liverpool. Um, he was he was right at the heart of that. And him and Stones played together at Norwich in that game. Um, Stones also, it just isn't working for him. Um, and I would imagine that he he uh, might might fancy a move away just to try and get his career kick started again. Um, I, I'm, I'm by no means 100% convinced that he will go because I, I think it mm. will depend on, on whether they get somebody in. Uh, and City will not pay over the odds for Koulibaly. You can be absolutely sure of that. You know they've, they've made it play in the recent years that they they have a value on a player, uh, they have a budget, and that they will not exceed it. Uh, so if that happens, Koulibaly won't be coming, and I could see Stones staying for that reason. Yeah. Um, but obviously the emergence of Eric Garcia has sort of helped with that. You know, uh, as long as Garcia stays, of course, is you know there's a lot of talk about him heading back to Spain, going to Barcelona. Um, but City have, have sort of laid the stall out with Garcia and told him how important he is and that he is, you know, the fact that they've kept playing him um, since the restart has, has sort of driv- driven that message home that he's, he's, he's seen as a very important player. Um, it just, I suppose that, that all depends on how much Garcia wants to go back to Barcelona, I guess. Uh, but he always seems fairly happy uh, in Manchester. Whenever you see him, speak to him. He, you know, the, there's nothing, there's nothing suggesting that he's he's desperate to get away. Uh, which which one or two Spanish players in the recent times have have, have said. Um, so yeah, but Otamendi, I would think he's a goner. Uh, Stones, possible, you know, will go if they bring somebody else in. Uh, and then you've got a, you know, you you've got a, a good force, and then of of Garcia. Um, the new right-footed centre-back, um, Laporte and Nathan Ake, uh, and that that would do City. You know, obviously they've got Taylor Harwood Bellis coming up, but you know, young Taylor, he's, he looks a great prospect, but he's he's still only 18, um, and I think you've got to be a bit older and a bit stronger uh, than that to to play in the Premier League. So you know, you're looking at like a couple of years down the line before before he will be a a real contender. Um, but he's, he's looking good. It's looking strong in that department if, if City can complete the transfer business. Yeah, when you put it like that and you list them in, in that order, and then you compare it with what the defensive situation has been this season, it, I mean, it's a no-brainer of which one you'd, you'd pick and it would be the sort of difference that City would need to be able to challenge Liverpool again for the title. I, I just think it's a bit of a shame for Stones because you know there's a player in there. You can see that there's, there's a good player there who needs... You need someone next to him who's probably a bit more of a leader who can do all the marshalling and just let Stones play and have a bit of confidence. But the nature of this city side is that if you make a mistake, there's someone coming in who's going to take your place. And uh, whether Stones will get that opportunity again, I'm not sure. If if there is a chance, as, I, as has been rumoured, that he could go to Arsenal with Mikel Arteta, that might be a, an opportunity that he should take at this stage of his career. But I think that will be an interesting one to watch this summer, especially. Um, I think we've got through everything that's happened this week in what has been quite a busy week uh, for City, even though there's not been a game. Um, obviously, they get a weekend off without the FA Cup this uh, this weekend. They're not in the final, so they've got more time to prepare for Real Madrid, hoping that game goes ahead. Um, so I think we will leave it there. Um, thank you very much for joining me, Stu, this, this afternoon. Yeah, no problem. So, sorry about my memory <laughs> lapses. I'm a bit like Homer Simpson in that my brain can only hold so much information at one point, and it, it shoves other stuff out of the way, so... Uh, not remembering who the three subs were, and and, uh, and not for, and not remembering that Benjamin Mendy is actually suspended <laughs> is is all down to age and uh, the fact that I am actually Homer Simpson. 
Oh, with so many substitutions nowadays, you've got more to remember, haven't you? Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll cling on to anything. Yeah. Right. So uh, I think we'll we'll leave it there. If you'd uh, like to subscribe on your where you get your podcasts to Talking City, and we'll be back uh, next week or looking ahead to the Real Madrid game um, where Manchester City will be hoping to progress in the Champions League. <laughs>